the one thing that is to be careful with what you plan to implement right away. I think when you look at that sales presentation and then also we're coming from an antiquated system, everything looks great. It's, oh yes, let's use Project Ledger and let's use this feature and that feature. And then when it comes down to it, fighting all of that Apple all at once can be a bit overwhelming when you're already dealing with just the basic change management throughout the organization. In the world of business finance, things change fast. Welcome to the Leaders of Modern Finance, a show where today's finance innovators discuss what the future holds. Learn from experts in the field as they explore emerging finance trends, insights, and more. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the leading account payable automation platform. With Stamply, collaborate easily and efficiently with invoice approvers, vendors, and anyone involved with purchases. This helps you quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com. All right, greetings everyone. This is Ben Murray and welcome to another Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. I'm excited about the show today. I'd like to introduce Betsy George. Betsy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So first, let's start out. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about where you work for. Sure, sure. I grew up in Southern California, so still in my home base, basically, and have been in finance and accounting my entire career, which is 30-something years, I'll say, without dating myself too much. And I enjoy what I do. I love working in finance. I find it really fascinating and interesting. So I always feel lucky that I landed in a career that I truly enjoy. That's great. And you're with the city of Oxnard now, is that right? Yeah, I'm the chief financial officer at the city of Oxnard. Fairly large city. We have about 200,000 residents. And at the city, there's 1,400 employees. And we provide all the regular city services, fire, police, streets, trash, utilities, water, the, the whole gambit. Yeah, everything that people forget about that happens all the time. So really interesting. Yeah, we'll dive into kind of that public-private sector viewpoint. But let's start with, let's talk shop here in finance and accounting. So always interested to hear your team structure, you over your CFO, so oversee finance, accounting, maybe some other departments in there. It'd be good to hear about. So tell me about your team structure and and team size right now to, to manage that city budget. Sure. There's about 35 individuals in the entire finance department. We call it, which encompasses both accounting and finance, as well as budget and purchasing. So those are the major departments. We have a purchasing manager and a budget manager, and then, of course, individuals under those areas. We are fortunate, I, I like to say anyway, <laughs> that we payroll that this organization exists under human resources. Okay. You know, throughout my career, I've seen it go both ways, but that's one semi-thankless duty that you have to do at every organization. So. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know. And I was just having that discussion today. It's yeah, payroll sometimes in HR, sometimes in finance. It varies depending on the orgs. And tell us so we can size. So 35 employees in your department and the city, we're probably not talking maybe like revenue, like the private sector, but what, what is say your budget size? How big, what kind of dollars are we working with in the city here? You know, our operating budget is about $400 million every year. And then we have a bunch of larger capital expenditures. And some of that revenue comes from taxes and some of it comes from grants or um, other government agencies. Okay. So 400 million OPEX plus you have a a CapEx budget on top of that? Yes. Yes. Okay. And how, it's really interesting. How has that trended over the past couple, I guess you're, 
you've been there, you said about six months now? Yes. Yeah. A little bit more than six months. So very new at this organization. Okay. And maybe you don't, has that trended pretty consistent, that 400 million OPEX budget or moving a little bit over time? It's actually going up. We've just passed a a recent sales tax for our area, an additional one and a half percent, which we estimate is going to bring us about another $50 million a year. So we've just had a pretty big increase very recently, the 2020 elections, which is one of the big differences between private sector and public sector. You it's hard to control your own revenue. You don't just get a new glossy sales campaign and go out there and or build a better mousetrap and, yep. and uh, get more sales. So. Yeah, yeah. So maximize what? Yeah, that budget and try to maximize the potential of that budget. So interesting because normally I'd say, hey, all right, Max, what numbers do you report to the board? But tell us how that differs in the public sector. You don't necessarily have the board, but what's the board equivalent in the public sector? Yeah, so we have a city council. And then there's the mayor, which is the head of the city council. So he might be equivalent to the board chair. And one of the big differences is in budget, you're really, your reporting is very piecemeal. There isn't so much the big picture. There's much more interest in what are you doing with your COVID relief dollars? Or what are you doing with your gas tax dollars? Or passed a certain measure on the ballot? And how are you spending those additional dollars? Versus the private sector, you really want to see the big picture and how's the company going overall and what direction are we headed? Okay. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Less big picture, more, what do you say, project specific spend that you have to track and then show results from that spend? Yes, exactly. As far as periodic reporting, of course, we go once a year with our budget to the city council and we do a mid-year budget review, and then once a year with our year-end actuals. So we do the big picture periodically throughout the year, but those regular, which you would typically have maybe a monthly or quarterly board meeting, where you're really um, drilling down on some of the dashboard specifics of an organization, that here is really project-based or cash flow-based, where the funding is coming from. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. So it was a quarterly, maybe semi-annual, of course, the annual budget presentation, more big picture, but you're saying, say those monthly meetings or however those are half happening, more project level, very detailed look in, into that spend versus big picture. Yeah, exactly. We actually meet uh, the first and third Tuesday of every month is the okay. city council meeting. And then we have a finance and governance committee meeting on the alternate Tuesdays, the second and fourth Tuesdays. So we only get a Tuesday off of a nighttime uh, governance meeting if there's five Tuesdays in the month. Okay. And is that is that a pretty, is that a lot of work for each of those meetings where you're creating stuff ad hoc, or is it a pretty good routine where you're producing that, that documentation, that reporting anyway to, to present to the council? No, it's mostly all ad hoc. So there's a a lot of governance. So even like a large purchase order, those types of things, those have to go to city council. And so if you're, for instance, this most recent city council meeting, we, you know, we're purchasing new fire engines and then also increasing our budget for our ERP system. So those are two completely separate items with separate presentations and separate staff memos. And uh, yeah, yeah, so it's. It's a yeah, constant so, job security with lots of work to do all the time. Yeah, so it's not yeah, like yeah, a lot of detail that you have to understand how those projects are doing moving along versus just, hey, here's the financial statements for the month, for example. Right. Yeah, because you know, we're dealing with the public's money. I mean, it's taxpayer funds, and we need to both not just providing it to the city council, but also the um, 
community who are funding these projects essentially and that we are being good stewards of their money and spending it wisely and that the projects that we've planned are successful and the outcome is what we had hoped it would be. Mm -hmm. Okay. And any, I come from the software world, so we have very specific lingo on customer acquisition costs and LTV, all these metrics. So is there any common metrics within the public sector or is it still really just spend-based, project-based? It's, there are this spin based project base, and of course we have our, you know, alphabet soup of acronyms, but mm-hmm. as far as um, results and ROI and those types of things, there aren't necessarily specific to the government. Okay. You know, yeah. Interesting. So this kind of segs well into our next question, right? You've got this really strict meeting routine with a council producing the reports, project management type reports. So tell us a little bit about your tech stack in finance, accounting, and, and purchasing? We are in the process of implementing a new ERP system, which will cover all of that payroll, human capital management, purchasing, asset management, the budget. It'll be the mm-hmm. whole suite. And the current software that we're using, I think this is common among government agencies and maybe even in the private sector, is we've had our current software for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. But a large organization to do a new an implementation touches so many areas, it tends to be something that could, you know, delayed until it's absolutely necessary because it's going to impact so many people. Okay. In the public sector, are there certain ERP systems that people are always looking at then? Yes, definitely. So if I say the name that we're implementing too, which happens to be Tyler Muniz, anybody who's in a local government entity that may be listening to this has certainly heard of it. But Mm -hmm. in the private sector, probably not. Similar that in the public sector, if I talk about NetSuite or Mm -hmm. Great Plain Dynamic or something like that, they wouldn't necessarily have heard of those areas. Okay. All right. So Going with the ERP route, not point solutions, kind of bolting on systems. So really looking at this to, to cover your full kind of finance, accounting, and payroll cycle then. Yes, exactly. And we have external systems. For instance, we're doing planning and permits for the city. So our permits office has a separate software where they can accept electronic plans and, mm-hmm. and not have to get big rolls of blueprints coming in through the door. So there's streets inventory and GIS software so we can keep an inventory of all the trees. It's amazing when you dig into the details what it takes to run a city and what operations looks like for a whole community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot going on, a lot of assets to track, right? A lot of labor, a lot of maintenance work orders against those assets. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we have a similar, yeah, we'll have a work order system. Mm-hmm. We have a help desk system for our IT people. And how, you know, interesting, right, with tech stack becoming so important now, so many different solutions. How, when you go and went through the selection process for an ERP, who else is at that table, like maybe assisting you? Do you have a, a, say a VP of IT or something like that? Who's helping with all these tech stack decisions within the city? Yeah. So we brought in a consultant to, to help us, someone who is very familiar with doing, even drafting the RFP, going out to get, um, to decide who we're going to evaluate. And then also there is a chief information officer here, of course. And then we'll bring in some of the main users. It, at the city, it happens to be Public Works, which they oversee the utilities and parks and trees and streets and alleyways. And, and so they're going to be the one of the heaviest users of purchase orders and asset management, things like that. So it's a cross-section of folks that are brought in. So when did you kick off the, have you started the the new ERP implementation then? 
Yes, we're towards the finish line at this point. We're um, scheduled to go live on July 1st of 2022. So we're really in the final stages. We did the initial selection process back in 2019 mm-hmm. and then, you know, officially launched with just starting to make sure that we had all of our needs assessment done and our current state and our 2B state and all that documentation started in 2020. And then 2021 is when we started the programming and all of that uh, customization, some of yep. the customization that needed to be doing. Yeah, that's a pretty long process, huge system to put in place. So when did it officially kick, did it say officially kick off in January or even last year? I'm just curious, like when you just start, hey, let's kick off this project and we go live. What is that time frame? How many months or even years? Yeah, I think it's probably about two years, a little bit less than two years, maybe from kickoff of we have a team, we brought in our subject matter experts, mm-hmm. and we call them FALs, our functional area leads. And they started probably around in January 2021 is when we started having reoccurring meetings and really getting together. And so, yeah, so we're about 12 months into that and, and now launching training, making sure we have lots of user acceptance testing, and we're doing all of that now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge project to bite off being there, just starting out with the city and what, you know, for our finance and accounting, accounting leaders in the audience, any tips and tricks that you've learned with this implementation, right? Because you're managed a big budget. You've got 1,400 employees to get onto payroll. Anything you've learned in this process that could help someone else going through a future ERP implementation? I think the one thing that is to be careful with what you plan to implement right away. I think when you look at that um, sales presentation, and then also we're coming from an antiquated system, everything looks great. Oh yes, let's use Project Ledger and let's use this feature and that feature. And then when it comes down to it, Biting all of that apple all at once can be a bit overwhelming when you're already dealing with just the basic change management throughout the organization. And we're redoing our whole chart of accounts. There's a lot of things that are going along with it. And so then to also put in all the bells and whistles at the same time is a little bit overwhelming. So we have been in the last four months or so taking off some of the extra whistles <laughs> and saying we don't have to do it all at once. We need to get the basics done. We need to be able to operate it's going to be much better and more efficient and better reports than we have now. Yeah, really interesting with an ERP system, so much to implement. And I, in the software, all I would say, like our development team has their product roadmap of what they're trying to implement and code and, and put into the product. And just like finance, right now we have our product roadmap with the tech stack and it, it evolves over time. It's hard to slam everything in at one time and get it all working at that time. You kind of have to phase it in, especially with such a big project that you're going through right now. Yeah, exactly. And some of it is not even necessarily finance-based that we originally Mm -hmm. had envisioned we might do is currently we're not really inventorying a lot of things within the city. And so the idea was, oh, well, we're going to have the software that'll allow us to inventory things. So let's inventory everything. And that means going out to all the different city departments and fleet management and inventorying what they have so that we can utilize the software and barcodes and and have better um, control over our assets and know when purchasing needs to occur. But to implement an inventory process (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you're implementing a brand new system, it's not the right time. It's, you know, 
So Yeah, so make sure you can bite off what you can chew when you and then phase it, it sounds like, as far as what people can learn from what you've just gone through. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's interesting looking at your background, private sector experience, a lot of different industries that you've worked in. So as your career has progressed, was it a conscious choice to go into the public sector or did it just happen? Tell us how that private to, to public shift occurred in your career. Sure. Yeah, it, it really just happened. I had no intention, no desire to work in the public sector and, and might be because I had a misconception, which maybe a lot of us do. I don't know that I'm alone with it is that folks in the public sector are not as smart or as interested in working in fast-paced environments, mm-hmm. et cetera. There's that cartoon with the DMV sloths. Mm-hmm. And I was working at organization NYK, which is a large ocean carrier, international ocean carrier. And I was working, our, my main office was at the port of Los Angeles on Terminal Island. So dealing with a lot of shipping containers and, and rail cars and those types of things in the operations. And that organization relocated all of their executive positions to New Jersey. And I opted not to make the move. And right around that same time, the port of Long Beach, which is a division of the city of Long Beach, and they oversee all of the ports there, needed a finance director. And so I applied and, and be offered the position. And the only reason I think I was qualified because it's public sector, the different government accounting, GASB, I didn't know a GASB from from any other acronym, and was because I had that freight experience and shipping experience. And I knew the operational side of it. I knew what a lease looked like for a terminal, et cetera. And so that was my first introduction to government accounting. And before I accepted the position, I did do some research and talk to people that had worked there in the past or that I knew that did work there and really learned that my, all my misconceptions about public sector employees were completely incorrect. It was really a whole bunch of smart people working together, trying to make the best decisions for the community and wanting to be efficient and mm-hmm. and having sometimes made career sacrifices in order to be in the public sector versus the private sector where you are eligible for bonuses and raises are more ad hoc. And mm-hmm. there's there are certain benefits for sure. You have uh, I, ha- I used to have an Amex card that I could, you know, go out and buy lunch for people. And now if I want to bring donuts or bagels to the team, it comes out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. That would be a gift of public funds if I brought snacks in for my team today. Yeah. Yeah. So a little different there. So yeah, really interesting with that and, and how your career progressed. And we talked today about the CFO being very mm-hmm. operational. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, especially in the public sector, right? a city, like so much stuff going on, employees, labor, assets, fleets, just all these moving pieces. So I, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you like to be a successful CFO in say a city, is it right more than ju- it's more than just the debits and credits, but is there a very operational aspect to it? Yeah, there is. And I've found that everywhere I've worked it's the, and might be the reason I've have been able to be successful in different industries is that I right away want to learn about the operations. I want to understand what is what are these numbers I'm dealing with and, and why am I tracking them and where am I where are they coming from and who's looking at them next and to be able to talk to the fire chief about you know his new emergency services team that he wants to stand up and to know what questions to ask about how, what to include in that budget or where he might be able to secure funding, et cetera. You do need to have a somewhat knowledge of the operations 
just to be able to be a good partner to them and a resource for them and and making sure that they're meeting their goals. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And for those who are looking to get into, say, public sector finance and accounting who are just starting out, maybe they're you know graduating from college. Is it similar to the private sector, you know, looking at, say, education, the degree, any certain characteristics or technical aspects or technical things that make someone, say, successful or are good, like good training background to, to go into public sector finance? I don't think it's any different than the private sector as far as mm-hmm. training. It's really, especially in the finance side of it, good being flexible and, and willing to crunch when you need to get those <laughs> reports out at deadline yeah. and detailed orientated. I think um, the one thing that's different in the public sector is the hiring process. So the hiring process is quite different. And, and I think people that have just been in the private sector it get, can get confused or frustrated by it. And tell, shed a little light on that. Is it just much more like justification, stricter like process that you have to follow to get uh, a new uh, headcount approved? Yeah, yeah, there is a more of a justification and a process to get someone approved. And then the actual process of someone coming in there, when a job is posted, there's a clear deadline of when it closes. Like this job is open and it's going to close on February 2nd. And that's when we're going to review all the resumes. And then we're going to do interviews and then we're going to make a selection where a job posting in the private sector, you have no idea. Did they hire someone last week and it's still just sitting out here or have they not even looked at the resumes? Are they too busy to do? You don't know where it is in the process. So there is some more transparency, but then also there's usually an interview panel and you're on a list and you're ranked. And so there's also a little bit more confusion that can be gone, go with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like a little bit more of like a calendar date timelines you've got to follow, you know, a little more involved in sense of more people involved. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Which I find comforting actually, because then the private sector you send out your resume or or something mm-hmm. and you goes into abyss and you have no idea where you right. are in the process. Where with the public sector stuff, so I know when they're gonna look at it. And if I didn't hear from them, then that means I'm not interested, versus mm-hmm. not even knowing whether or not you even got in there to get looked at. Yeah, no, interesting. So a few final questions here. Really curious, again, public sector versus private sector and how things differ. Say the budgeting process, <clears throat> excuse me, is that very similar to the private sector? And then once you complete the budget, are then are you then forecasting the, the, the fiscal year? The budget process is very similar. I mean, you start mm-hmm. six or nine months before the year starts, your fiscal year starts and starting out with all of your strategies and, and you hit from whether it's the, I worked for school districts, so we had a school board there, so I could still say the word board. <laughs> what is the board of city council? What are their priorities or the city manager? And then working down and providing templates to department heads so that they can build their you know individual line item budgets. Of course, estimating revenue comes first and mm-hmm. reviewing iterations to see if when you add all the pieces together, it adds up to the right whole. So that process is very similar. The forecasting process is probably not as um, continuous as in the private mm-hmm. sector. And I found in the private sector, sometimes you're doing monthly forecasts even because you constantly needed to know where do we think we're going to be? Do we need to make changes? So it's a little slower paced once the budget is built, because again, a lot of your funding sources, it's locked in. That's once you know or have estimated your tax collections or what grants you're going to receive, it's locked in. And then you may be making adjustments to expenditures because your priorities have changed or you're not able to complete something 
um, that you thought you might be able to complete. Mm -hmm. That process is quite a bit different, actually, yep. once the budget's set. Okay, so it sounds like really intensive budget process, like your budget season kind of lasts for several months, maybe private sector, it's just a couple months, but a lot of planning coming up to that budget presentation, I assume, then that presentation to the city council and mayor then? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and you okay. usually have public workshops too, because again, it's the public's money, so you want to get their input on where your priorities are and whether or not they think it's more important to fill in all the potholes or fix the restrooms at the park because maybe you don't have money to do everything. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Forecasting, maybe not as intense, but budget season sounds like, well, that's probably a ton of work, which it usually it is. So many, like I said, so many moving piece, pieces within the city and probably competing priorities. Do you get a little bit of that, like resource allocation, so many different cities, departments, or I'm sorry, so many different departments within the city that do you have competing like demands on, on resources? Yeah, definitely. I think with any organization you do, um, we're in a good position. And I think fortunate for when I joined, I mentioned we had that tax measure pass in November, 2020, and the tax was, began being collected April 1st, 2021. And I joined in June of 2021. So I came on after the really lean years. <laughs> and, and not that we're swimming in resources or anything, but it, it has relieved some of that really stretched resources and a lot of competing demands. So we're in a much better mm -hmm. position now as a city. Okay, that's great. Yeah, so it sounds like things are rolling forward nicely. Sales tax increase plus an ERP system going through you. So hopefully make your process more efficient each month. So one final question to wrap up here. And if you had one piece of advice to give to modern finance leaders, what would it be looking back through your finance and accounting career? Any advice that you give to those you know, coming up the ranks right now? I think it's something I already mentioned before, which is just get familiar with operations. Like to mm -hmm. me, it makes the job so much more interesting and you're able to be a more valuable partner to the folks in operations, whether that's the you know CEO or a manager out in the warehouse. If you understand where they're coming from or try to learn what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I consider finance as a sort of a service, providing a service to the rest of the organization and to really be able to be a better, provide better service, I think understanding the operations. And like I said, it's much more interesting as well for you than just plugging numbers in and around places. Yes. Yeah. So operations, right. sounds like key to becoming an effective CFO and leader. So Really appreciate your time, Betsy. It sounds like your hands are full. A lot of good things going on there. Very complex operation that a lot of people don't realize that's happening underneath the scenes at a city. So really appreciate your time today and shedding light on the private versus public sector differences. So thanks a lot. Yeah, no, thank you for having me here. It was fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Modern Finance podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at stamply.com slash leaders of modern finance. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Stamply, the most powerful way to process and pay invoices. Stamply is the only accounts payable automation software that centers communication on top of the invoice so that accounts payable collaborates better with approvers, vendors, and anyone involved in purchases to quickly resolve issues and questions, resulting in 5x faster approvals. 
Contact us to see why users love Stamply and schedule a demo at stamply.com.